This is Eitan Weinstein. And I'm Naor Menninger. And you're listening to Two Nice Jewish Boys. Two weeks ago, yet another horrific Palestinian terror attack took place in the Palestinian village of Hawala, just next to Jerusalem. The terror attack claimed the lives of two innocent Jews, Shai Silas Nigrekar and his son Avian. Shai, a loving husband and father, embarked with his son Avian on what seemed like a routine day, never suspecting the grim fate that awaited him and his son. As they pulled into the car wash that day, they were brutally shot and murdered by a Palestinian terrorist. Today, we're joined by Lital Shemesh. Lital was meant to be on the podcast two weeks ago, but had to postpone due to the tragic loss of her relatives, Shai and Aviad, and the Hawara attack. Lital is not only an accomplished journalist and TV presenter, but also a prominent right-wing news personality. She has a wealth of insight to share, ranging from her experience at Channel 14, Israel's only conservative TV channel, to her perspectives on the proposed reforms in the communications market by Communications Minister Shlomo Kari, and much, much more. Together, we'll explore the aftermath of the horrific attack in Hawara and dive into the broader landscape of Israel's ever-evolving social and political landscape. We are honored to have Lital Shemesh with us today on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm doing uh, okay. As you said, uh, we had a couple of hard weeks uh, in my family. It was my uncle uh, and my cousin who were uh, murdered in the Hawara attack. The terrorist has not yet been captured. Um, so it was a bit of a shock. To, it's really hard to even grasp, you know, such such a horrific attack. And um we're getting through it. How were you? It. How are you notified? Like, how did it go down? To be honest, I knew way before uh, all of my family knew because uh, on the WhatsApp uh, they started sending pictures of their IDs. Apparently, the uh, Palestinians who were there took out their IDs, took a photo of it, and started celebrating uh, on the social media about the fact that two. Um, Israelis, two Jewish people were uh, murdered, so it was all around the uh, Arab social networks. Um, and someone just sent it on the group, one of my WhatsApp groups, um, and I was shocked to see my uncle and cousin, and I immediately knew, like, before everyone else. So did you inform your family, or did you let I called my mom immediately and uh, asked her, is Uncle Silas driving to Hawara? Is he like fixing his car there? Uh, and she said, yeah, he has friends there over 20 years. Um, so I, I did one plus one and I understood that it was actually him. First of all, our sincere condolences. Thank you. And to the family. Um, a bit of perspective, Hawara is known already, is infamous for uh, numerous terror attacks mm-hmm. in the past uh, few months. And it's a bit of a controversial debate, but there was a huge debate uh, after this terror attack about, without, God forbid, blaming anyone mm-hmm. because 
we all believe that Jews are, are should should be able to walk freely in a, every part of uh, Israel. But the risk that people take in going to those murderous villages is it's immense. Mm-hmm. How do you see that? Uh, I argument? agree. I agree. My immediate response was obviously why on earth going there in such a flammable time when you had 10 terror attacks in the Hawara area in like two months, three months time. It's uh, extremely dangerous, but my uncle was a person who um, believed in people, who felt like they are his friends. He knew the guy who was fixing his car for over 20 years. Um, And I felt sorry, actually, for the fact that you opened up the television on the same day and the entire discussion was why people are going to this area as if you can blame them from being murdered. Um, And I think there's nothing who who can justify uh, a murdering of a person because they were killed, they were murdered simply because they were Jewish. And the only uh, bad thing that they did was believing in the in the good heart of people, you know, of people that they knew for over 20 years. Um, and we have to remember that people, that Jews are being killed, murdered in the streets of Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, uh, literally everywhere. Um, unfortunately, we have terror attacks, you know, since we know ourselves all across Israel. So... Yeah. How did the terrorists... Whether I think they should have gone there, obviously no. But from here to make a discussion about uh, uh, um, they should have expected, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, accept such an how answer. Did, how did the terrorists know to shoot them? Um, they were, they, they basically put their car into the garage and walked around for a few hours. They went to a barber store that they know to cut their hair. They had a falafel. So in a few hours that they were around, someone must have let Switched. that terrorist know that there are two Jews walking around. And they're, they're religious? No, no. They, so they don't no, wear it was also a on Shabbat or anything like that. Nothing. And nothing. where do they? Where someone, do they? someone said that they that the terrorists talked to them to make sure that they were speaking Hebrew before before he uh, sh- sh- um, shot them. But uh, someone must have told him. And do they? Did they? Um, did they live in the area? Like where are they from? No, they are live they, in Ashdod. They live in Ashdod. They so in they Ashdod. drove from Ashdod to Hawara. Yeah. Because yeah. of the prices, right? Because People of the prices. go to yeah. um, for a person like my uncle, who was basically had a um, he was a, a driver, and he had like a company to to drive people who travel Israel. Mm-hmm. He had a few vehicles, and for a person like like that, it saves thousands, tens of thousands of shekels a year to not fix your car um with in, yeah. in ashdod but to fix it in hawara and you have a lot of israelis buying furnitures in, in, in going to in doctors Tira, to dentists going, going to doctors um and, and that's something i think worth a different debate you know about the price of living in israel about the, the fact that people are willing to risk their lives basically in order to save thousands of shekels uh, a year because it's getting hard because it's getting hard in israel yeah i just posted the <laughs> don't know if you saw no you're not on instagram i just uh sorry for the segue but yesterday i was buying prosciutto it in tipped down it tipped yeah. down yeah no in hawaii you can't buy prosciutto um and it cost 
37 shekels for 100 grams. Wow. <laughs> so 370. Wow. I'm vegetarian, so I don't know the prices of meat, but, uh, but I, I believe no, you. Because, because it's pork and in Israel you can't import it. So only one place. It's, it's, you have so it's many like gold. It, it's like gold. I paid 70 shekels but for you know prosciutto. What? It's, not, it's like $20. But you know what? It's not that just that. You have so many different products that you can't import. But prosciutto or... is basic. It's ba- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but, no, but yeah, it, it, is, it is becoming, uh, yeah. It's not becoming. It's it was. It was always. We always had a problem of not opening the market, of having too many unions. Uh, but again, it's a, a different yeah. discussion. Anyway, it's it's hard to segue away from from that. Again, our deepest condolences. Thank you. I'm really sorry for your loss. And and uh, they didn't catch the terrorists. No, yet. they're they're still. Uh, he's he's hiding somewhere in uh, Nablus. Mm-hmm. Um, Hamas took uh, responsibility for the attack, and they're still trying to to get him. How how uh, just uh, one more question about it? How do we solve a problem like Hawara? How do we solve it? It's not just Hawara; you know? it's everywhere, basically. Yeah, like th- this is a village full of people who would slaughter us yeah. in a blink of an eye if they could. And they are, you know, you you can't build a wall there because it's so intertwined with. Uh, yeah. What what do you do about that? Um, unfortunately, the uh, situation is getting harder and harder. I mean, in the recent year, we had uh, over 35 uh, Jewish people who were murdered in terror attacks. We didn't have had such a lethal year since the second intifada. In 20 years, we didn't have, um, we didn't have such an enormous number of people being murdered mm-hmm. in Israel. Um, so we have a big problem of not only Hawara, but terrorists coming out of Janin, terrorists coming out of Nablus, Hebron. We saw the shooting attack um, in Hebron of Batsheva Nigeri, who got shot with her 12-year-old sitting in the back seat. Yeah. So, um, so Israel should do something about it. I think Israel isn't doing enough. But what will I will you give do? you? Yeah. I will give you just simple example. The terrorist who murdered my uncle and cousin is in sick. Is is uh, is in sick, and his uh, family hasn't been arrested. His house is still standing, haven't been torn down. Um, what about, for example, deciding that you're taking all the job permits from the family of the terrorists. If you know that a terrorist uh, um, doesn't mind to be killed, doesn't mind to become a shaheed, a murderer, then what about just taking all the uh, job permits from his family? Why do we give them job permits in the first place? I mean, it's okay for Palestinians to work in Israel. You need them in the Is building it? constructions. You want the, uh, the, the Palestinian do I? Uh, authority... You want the Palestinian Authority to have a good life. But on the other hand, the Palestinian Authority is still paying money, social security for families of terrorists. So why do I want them to have a good life? Teaching, because it's because the moment they're losing hope, the moment it's easier to control them into committing terror attacks. Hasn't that been, that's kind of always been the, the, the same tone. narrative, right? That like we need to we need to maintain a certain level or standard of living for Palestinians, but why? They're our enemy. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody. In, I I agree. I know? agree. I think Israel is in a very complex situation at the moment where 
Hamas and Islamic Jihad is trying to take over the Palestinian Authority. And once Abu, Ma the more Abu Mazen is getting weaker, the more uh, Hamas and Jihad Islamic is is you know getting stronger in the Palestinian Authority. So Israel is basically afraid of a situation where. Uh, Hamas will take over or Islamic Jihad will take over. Both of them are, are an enemies, obviously, but at the moment you have like more of a cooperation with Abu Mazen. I fully agree that Abu Mazen is our enemy, that the Palestinian Authority is our enemy. He basically educate kids to go and murder Jews, naming schools after uh, a terrorist, naming uh, squares. streets, yeah. squares. Uh, after terrorists, educating people. The third largest ministry in the Palestinian Authority is the ministry that pays for families of terrorists. Um, and basically today, the most profitable occupation in the pa Palestinian ter uh, territories is to go and murder Jews. The more you kill, the more you get paid, the, the pay for slay method, and it's horrible. Um, but I mean, isn't Abbas holding on the power? I mean, he's not democratically holding on the power. He's been in power for what, like eighteen, yeah. nineteen years now. A lot of corruption also going. going <laughs> so it's on not there. like I mean, how are we helping him stay? You know, like it's not like he's asking anybody. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't see why we need to, why we need to make it, why we need to make their lives any better. Israel is just afraid of chaos. Because we're dealing with so many different areas, Hezbollah up north, we have uh, the Iranian issue, we have uh, Hamas controlling the Gaza Strip. I think our main problem is the fact that every prime minister throughout the years is trying to gain a few years of silence, a few years of, of, of quiet and not really solving the problem from the root. Maybe no. what we need isn't quiet. I mean, it's. I'm not one to say that easily like i'm i'm a conservative at heart it's not mm -hmm. like i just want to go to war yeah but maybe that's the only solution maybe all out total war is the solution i i think i i couldn't agree more not a total out war but the basic understanding that you have a state and that you have a right to defend yourself israel is not doing enough to defend itself israel is not doing enough we're constantly thinking on what the world would say, how to behave. Uh, instead of understanding it doesn't really matter what you do, just go and do it. Because I don't know any other country who would tolerate 35, 36 people being murdered in less than a year and not go to, uh, uh, to an operation. We did like a pinpoint two days operations in Janine. Um, and that was basically it, arresting here and there. And that was basically it. You know, it was Zev Jabotinsky who said it will take the Jewish people thousands of years to wipe uh, out the dust of exile. The understanding that you're not in exile anymore. That in the state, though. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we've had this discussion many times on the podcast, just between the two of us. I don't know if we've talked about it with guests before, but... When I hear about things like what happened to your uncle and, and, and his son, and I wonder how much of Israel would be on board with this. I, I ask myself, why don't we, I don't know, drop a bomb somewhere? Like, I, I don't want to just drop it randomly. Mm -hmm. Find a target that's legitimate and drop just a really big bomb. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, like that's how I, don't I think, feel. I don't think that's a solution. I know it's not Hamas a solution. Because Hamas will still be there and Islamic Jihad will still be there. We can start by doing the obvious of taking down but the head so of Hamas and the so head of Jihad. That's what we're so calculated and we're so technical and we're like we need to start being a little bit more apish. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In the way we fight, like disproportional sh- displays of power. Mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes that works, and especially against the type of enemy that we it have. It reminds me that I think after your uncle was murdered, uh, someone posted a, a, an article from the 50s. I don't know if you saw that. No. Um, which basically says that uh, after a consistent shooting from a neighborhood in the, in, I don't know, it's the 50s, so somewhere in the territories, um, the IDF simply flattened the entire neighborhood wow in the 50s yeah Yeah. well look i think that's what defines us from our enemies you know that we don't harm civilians that we never wanting to harm civilians and to kill innocent people if innocent people are getting killed it's by accident it's not like we're aiming towards and that's exactly what's what but this state was established it was established on hurting civilians because we on were attacked because we were attacks we were attacked we were being attacked but we're being attacked the now war, uh, the in, our independence war was basically jews being attacked all over israel and try to defend itself what's the difference i agree that's a good question what's the difference i don't know it's like i think about world war Two and and that like by all calculations hiroshima and nagasaki shouldn't have worked because more Japanese people were dying by firebombing Tokyo, and you know what I mean. Like they were dying in the yeah. hundreds of thousands, if not millions, like before leading up to the nuclear bombs. Meaning, if anybody, like a lot of people, I'm sure I, I'm not educated enough on the matter. But I'm sure a lot of people were saying it's not going to help. Like, look at them; it's not going to help. Mm-hmm. And somehow, eventually, it did. Like they surrendered after after you just show, showed enough force. Like there is a calculation by which you say, "Boom," and people are like, "Holy shit!" Okay, they mean business, and we don't mean business. We never mean business. We're just like, okay, well, yeah, well, this equals this. It's just so frustrating. Anyway, I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> it's not a question or anything. It's just yeah. it's just an expression of. Of yeah, frustration with the with the situation, but um, but tell us how is it to be the only, not the only, but one of the only or on the only uh, conservative uh, television channels in Israel. I mean, that's got to be tough. Mm-hmm. It's tough, but it's also exciting because we're doing a, a revolution. We're doing something new that never had happened in the Israeli uh, television or media sphere for so many years, so many decades. Since the 80s, basically, when we just had television in Israel, we got the same voices, the same sounds, the same opinion for over 20 years and i think it's the first time where you're getting different media outlets and a variety of opinions um and it's something that the public really was was third you know thirsty for it really craved for it for so many years i'm getting people in the street thanking me for finally getting something yeah. else you know in in the media it took like six or years no five six years yeah to get into the mainstream media i think like seven years because you need we, to change habits of people yeah 
Yeah, it's it basically the same that happened with Fox News. Fox mm-hmm. News was also fighting for many years to you know overcome CNN, and eventually it happened. Right. And uh, and you live in Tel Aviv. Yeah, I live in Tel Aviv. So you get uh, ricochet from. Uh, You're getting a lot of, a lot of comments from Tel Avivians. I uh, can remind you that uh, Shimon Riklin, one of my uh, co-workers uh, in Channel 14, was. Uh, attacked basically he was uh he was doing his show uh for a year from daily from habima square every day um he was broadcasting from habima with a cameraman and, and with a crew every single day televisions are passing by yelling at him go back to this samaria you don't need to be here la, la, la. and he li- he lives in tel aviv Hey, if they were saying go back to Samaria, that's the start. <laughs> yeah, that's the start. Uh, because he's wearing a yarmulke, he doesn't belong in Tel Aviv. It's our city, the same as it, it's your city. Um, but it was just so sad to see, you know, that the guy needs to, to have security guards at some point during the Black Flags demonstrations. Mm-hmm. Shimon Riklin had to walk with security guards back to his house. Yeah, someone um, spilled hot, uh, hot coffee on him. And, and, and yeah, t- uh, a few uh, weeks ago, someone spilled mm. uh, hot coffee on him just because he works on a right-wing uh, channel. And coffee in Tel Aviv is hot, guys, because uh, <laughs> hipsters always say extra hot, please. And, uh, <laughs> then they spill it on you. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really disgusting that the. But the, did you have the, any bad experiences? Um, it's mostly like social media and and messages that I'm getting from people. But I think the the I'm getting a lot more good comments and people who are shaking my hands and thanking me and watching me than people who are bashing me. And but you can see I find the whole movement of trying to close Channel 14 like they're literally demonstrating outside of the uh the owners of the channel's yeah. house and every, members of knesset every friday and and members of knesset but th- that's a that's a different issue but the the movement who is trying to shut down a media outlet a channel in israel i find it so sad you know from the liberal camp who is trying to who's supposedly suppo- you know uh for democracy for yeah fighting for speech. democracy and free speech doing exactly the opposite, the moment you're saying something else, they will hunt you and hit you in the head until you get back to your hole, you know? Because you're inciting. <laughs> yeah, the left has never really, I mean, the liberal liberals have never really been in favor of free speech, right? Yeah. The second you start calling things hate speech and incitement, yep. and yeah, yeah. you're not really for, for, you can draw the lines wherever but you want. But that's an interesting question because... If you are for free speech, you should be for... Because in the recent weeks, there were, were some controversial uh, opinions in Channel 14. One a panel panelist called for uh, freeing Igal Amir. The he wasn't calling for freeing Igal Amir. He was he calling was, to, it, to, to... To... Hillary, he was calling to was, draw the, back the law The that, discussion was against... Was around uh, personalized laws. And he gave yeah. that as he an wanted, example. He wanted to... Yeah. roll back the law that because of this law Igalamir is still in prison he said it in a cynical way of whether you're creating personalized laws then let's open up the discussion about around Igalamir okay. and by the way that that was a, a legit discussion back in the days back in the yeah. days when they decided to whether to to punish Igalamir in a personalized law there was a lot who um, who were against who opposed it yeah. also from Meretz saying like that the president 
needs every year to decide for his, for himself and not to create a specific law for a specific person. Anyhow, it was really yeah. out of proportion. But do you think... But Channel 14 decided to fire, to fire oh. that guy, like literally 10 minutes after the incident. So that's a question. And then, Why? And then, and then, uh, and then people decided they're going to take their commercials like Strauss from Channel 14 because of what Ari Shammai said. Mm-hmm. When, the matter of fact, the channel decided to fire him, you know? So that's a question. If we're for freedom of speech, why firing someone for expressing his opinion? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the, the fact is all the eyes are on Channel 14 and every time there's something controversial, they feel like they need to, um, um, to be, you know, more saint uh, of, uh, of the Pope and to, to go to the, 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 the bigger, the greater extent. Um, whether they should fire him, I think not. At the end of the day, he's not a host. He's a panelist. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, I want to hear what ha- people has to say. I want to hear interesting opinions. And I think that was a legit discussion. The problem started by people clapping and everything went out of proportion. Mm-hmm. No, but every, every day I see the... the There's the also a difference flag. between a private company firing someone for saying something and... and, and maybe you could say protecting their shares right yeah of course then then people then people trying to push the government to of course to of course the private company but also you don't see that in any other channels channels like uh, what galit gutman said on channel uh, mm-hmm. 12 against ultra orthodox yeah no one fired her no, no one even told her you know like sit home for one week not yeah, even yeah, that yeah. yeah the the other channels uh, uh, don't care so the hypocrisy you know towards channel 14 when it's happening all over the other channels is just you know disgrace it's pretty incredible because israel like by and large hates channel 12 <laughs> but they are still like the the number one channel mm-hmm. in israel like how can that be at the end of the day they have greater facilities they have bigger money they have reality shows game shows uh marriage at first sight a lot of money to the news uh, company that we cannot, uh, uh, you know, supply regarding numbers of, uh, of editors, reporters, stories that they can bring. And also they have a huge stars um, mm. that has the years of experience. Yeah, they exist so you think, it's, like their, you think yeah. it's their, their uh, non-news content that's holding up the news? I Meaning if it was just the news, they'd be dead long ago? No, I think it's a combination. Because when you have a, a bigger uh, news department, you can bring up stories who are, who are better stories. Uh, um, okay. It's harder. We're working in a, in a, in a, a, lot, of, a lot of a smaller much smaller budget, budget than channel 13 and, and how is 12. it as far as like within the news community like and the 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 um dynamics between other channels and channel 14 is there a lot of disrespect is it like depends like, what channel you what uh show you're opening and what hour you're watching we have shows who are uh, um criticizing other channels i personally don't like the whole media obsessed about about itself it happens a lot in the recent Mm. uh year channels bashing one another channels dealing with one another i think at the end end of the day just let people choose whatever they want to choose um people are smart enough to decide what to choose luckily we have social media you know today exactly each news anchor each reporter what uh, what he thinks according to what he tweets and what he writes on facebook so you can form your own opinion you can form your own opinion about people back in the days in the 80s and 90s 
Used to open, you know, Erev Chadash, Channel 1, watch whatever they're giving you, thinking that it's like a Torah from Sinai, thinking that that's like 100% true. Truth. Yeah. Truth. And today, luckily, people are not dumb and, and they know that not everything you see on television is, you know, the truth. So we don't need necessarily a reform in the communication sector. I think the Kari reform is actually good because he's opening okay. up the uh opening up the me- the the um uh the com- the communication the market. the market he's opening up the market he's allowing people to get license uh to broadcast news he's uh, he will open channel 15 which is not necessarily good for channel 14 because it's more competition but i think that's the way to go just to explain less regulation today if i if we three want to start like a channel the minimum requirement like even an online channel even an online news channel even an online news channel yeah it's it would be illegal without uh you need a lot of regulations Mm -hmm. to call it news to call it news yeah so yeah so the state basically like controls the whole the whole industry yeah so he's trying to you know to uh, yeah he is also proposing i'm not sure about the details but he's proposing to uh, allocate certain amount of budgets to like fund specific types of content and channel, right? Like, no, I think he's he's going to lower down the amount of money you need to invest in content in order to get your right. licensee, so which will allow new players to get into the market. Because today, mm-hmm. uh, all the channels, 12, 11, and 13, are forced by law yeah. to invest money in original Israeli TV shows mm. and movies. Because uh, you need, you need blue and white. Yeah, you need, yeah, you need culture. So yeah, so but he's going to lower The question that, is uh, the amount of money that you need to invest. And once it's a lot of money, then lower, uh, you know, players, uh, smaller players are scant. But I read that the again. leaders of the protests are going to go to America and, and basically um, ask for funds from, from rich Jews in, in the States. Um, to do what? To fight this reform. To fight this reform because this reform will bring the dictatorship well first of all they're all already fighting the 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 general judicial reform in america yeah i've heard that uh is uh you know did like an advocacy team that will go throughout campuses and will talk about israel such a disgrace such a disgrace you go around america you bash israel just deal with your own problems within israel why you know washing the dirty laundry abroad calling america to save israel from itself from itself like so lame so sad no words you know people are fighting for israel for israel's right to exist for israel's story for so many years doing advocacy about israel abroad you did it i also did it but and then you have a bunch of people deciding to go and to spread videos against Israel. I was watching a few weeks ago, Noah Tishbi, which I think is doing an enormous, important job for the Jewish people with so many videos about Jews, about Israel, about Israel's right to exist. And then she go to a demonstration in New York, standing there with Yael Lapid, explaining in English why Israel is a dictatorship. Yeah, no, but- Like seriously, we're fighting. Palestinians on campuses in America saying how Israel is an apartheid state and you're going in English explaining to people how Israel is a horrible place. You've gone too far. When she too was far. still envoy yeah. uh, in January, 
she was still uh, an official held an official title yeah uh she went on uh bill maher official title of the by the ministry of foreign affairs of foreign affairs she went on bill maher's show one of the biggest shows in america and bashed the the government that she was supposed to represent yeah and it's not just the government you're basically bashing israel when you're saying israel is such a horrible place we're going down the you know the rabbit hole with the situation is bad what are you doing Yeah. And how do you see the whole protests uh, and the whole chaos we've seen? I would prefer her to stay away from politics. Like, you're doing such a great job. Why? Why standing there with Yair Lapid? Why? Because she has uh, political ambitions, yeah. probably. Yeah, she probably that. In the next elections, he'll put her in the fifth place or in the second place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but what, if we're already on the subject, what, what do you think about the judicial reform and, and the reaction that it's been getting on the streets? I think it was unproportional. I think most of the people you caught in the streets of Ayalon in the demonstrations has no idea what the reform even contains. Um, I think it's important to emphasize the fact that both left and right wing uh, parties in Israel were calling for a reform, um, a judicial reform for many years. Yair Lapid, Gidon Saar, people were talking about this reform for many years. Now, all of a sudden, it's a great excuse, you know, to try and take down the government, a great excuse to get Israel back into an election round. Every year, different reasons. You have the Black Flags uh, demonstrations, you have uh, the anti-Bibi demonstrations. It's just like, you know, different story, but it's all revolving around the same notion of we don't want a right-wing government. And what about, you know, there's more and more people from the right quote unquote and i put them in quotes whatever we'll talk about it in a sec but from the right who who are saying you know yeah i supported a reform but not this reform this government's gone too far this is i mean like what makorishon writers for example yeah <laughs> for example. it's a very small uh very small aspect um <coughs> within the right wing that are calling to stop um i can agree with the fact that it was poorly managed i can agree with the fact that they were the moment that this uh government was um um was created they were in a sense of we're in rule we're in power we have 64 mandates let's go uh and do whatever we want to do but they forgot that they don't have the media and they don't have the court system and they don't have a lot of so many aspects that will you know hug them like they've hugged the uh bennett lapid government Um, and they should have managed it differently. They should have explained mm. to the people what they're doing. They shouldn't have gone full out with both the Karia reform and the Yariv Levin reform and like everything at once. They should have managed it differently. But I think most of the right-wing people in Israel want a reform. And I will tell you more than that. I'm interviewing. I'm dealing a lot with the, um, with the protection system. Um, yeah, blackmailing. The blackmailing within the uh, Bedouin communities, the Arab com- communities of businesses in Israel. And, um, and, and crime in general within the Arab communities, um, Arab populations. And I'm interviewing um, members of different municipalities, different city halls within the uh, Arab cities. And they're telling me the police is arresting people. The, the the criminal and the courts is just releasing them you know we they are also calling for a reform in the in the court system they are craving for a reform in the court system 
So it's not just a matter of left and right. It's just a matter of, of we need to wake up and understand what's going on. We need law and order. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, you don't I, go to the protests. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't stay alive that. if I would go to the protests. Really? You think? I, you know, I had an idea just to go there to film it, you know, just to see what happens. Uh -huh. But uh, I don't know if I have the guts. I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that would, that would be a video. Maybe your last, <laughs> yeah. but you know. um, it would get a lot of views. Um, so I, I think, I don't know how small it is, the, the group of right-wingers that are like, I think that it was so poorly managed that it's getting backlash. Because I do, I think that in the constituency of any group and any interest group, even if there's like interest in passing the reform, At, like within that constituency there's going to be some percentage of people who aren't necessarily like fully on board because mm -hmm. they really believe in that they just no, like, people yeah, just want okay. silence people just want quiet but And let me ask you they'll something swing. else they'll swing but let me ask you something else why is only the right wing asking for time out why isn't anyone any leader from the left wing government uh, uh the left wing uh, sorry opposition Benny Gantz, Yair Lapid, calling for the demonstration demonstrators. Ah. Let's, you know, calm it down. Let's not interfere in every freaking conference that a, a minister or a member of, of parliament from the right wing parties no, but are getting obvious. to. I mean, they're, they're every day they're demonstra demonstrating here in Tel Aviv outside of uh, Wasserlaff House in, uh, in Kikara Medina every single day. I didn't hear one person from the opposition calling them, you know what, guys, why won't you demonstrate outside of his office? Why, you know, harassing an entire neighborhood in Modi'in where Yariv Levin lives or in Rehovot where uh, Edith Silman lives? It's horrible. It's horrible. We're, we're, you know, and everything like every single thing like that is uh, creating um, uh, takdim. You know, precedent. precedent. Yeah, for 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 the next uh, government. Yeah, but I think that I mean that makes sense to me because it's left wing protesters not being you know uh, calmed down by left wing politicians. But what I'm saying is I think that the crisis was so mismanaged that they might have shot themselves in the foot. Like, to meaning I don't know if we have. If this government falls, I don't know if there's hope for the judicial reform. Do you think that that's true, or do you think that if it's this government pass? falls, or even in this this government itself, I don't know if there's actual hope for the judicial reform to pass in any meaningful way? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I mean, uh, I don't know what will. It's a problem. It's a it's a big problem. First of all, a lot of people from the right wing were angry towards Benjamin Netanyahu that for so many years he felt like it's uh, better to sit on the fence and not to do anything about uh, the, the necessity of, of uh, judicial reform. So I think if he, if he wouldn't go ahead with it, he will find himself in a problem in the next election. Because the right-wing people will ask themselves, you know, what am I voting for? What's the difference between Yair Lapid and Benny Gantz and Benjamin Netanyahu if everyone are promising me things and they just don't deliver? Um, so Perhaps. he will find himself in a, in a ma major problem. And also, you need to put into consideration that he himself is feeling uh, that he is a victim of a witch hunt, of, of, a, of a judicial witch hunt. The, the same, by the way, with what's happening now with, with Trump. And people are actually, they actually voted for Netanyahu because they felt like he 
it was uh, there was an injustice being made in his in his trial. He was made a scapegoat, uh, essentially. Mm-hmm. But, right. but Benjamin Netanyahu, I mean, like at his core, he seems to me like a guy who doesn't really want to shake the boat too much. Like, yeah, that, wonder... that is true. That that's a good that's a good uh, analysis. And For many years, uh, Netanyahu kind of liked the status quo, um, didn't move it too much. I wouldn't say that that was a mistake because in a lot of things, um, sometimes it's okay to not shake the boat. For example, the Palestinian issue. For so many governments, they were trying to, you know, move ahead. Let's, uh, we have to create progress. That was the wrong way to go because once you're wanting to create progress and you're giving offers to the Palestinians time and again, their appetite was just getting larger and larger. And government throughout history made so many mistakes with the Palestinian aspect just because you as a human being wants to, you know, to progress. So I think in that aspect, he had a good analysis of not, you know, not uh, not moving ahead or not causing anything. And at the end, it proved itself right because he brought us the Abraham Accords. He brought us the, the you know, the peace agreement with uh, the, the, the United Arab Emirates and with Bahrain hopefully Saudi Arabia in the future. Um, but I think that that's, in some aspects, that's good. In other a- aspects, it's bad because the right-wing parties throughout history didn't really, uh, didn't really feel like they're in control for so many years. Um, you had- They dem- weren't in control. They weren't in control. Now we know it. You had so many unions, you had the court system. Um, at the end of the day, every time they were trying to pass a law, the Supreme Court would just uh, cancel it. And for so many years, they, they didn't really feel like they can be in power. I think it's maybe the first year of a right-wing government who is actually trying to create changes and trying to, to you know, to show that they are in rule. Um, That's why we have a big backlash. Yeah. But it seems like what I'm saying is maybe the approach, uh, it goes back to our first, our original conversation about the Palestinians, maybe the approach of trying to do it in a calculated way wasn't the right approach. Maybe, Maybe the mismanagement was that they took it too slow or too not ballsy. Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 I felt that I when, think the other way around. I, I think I think the fact that uh, that that the, the minister the minister Levine opened up in uh, like quite after the uh, elections uh, results saying I'm gonna go with this reform this and that without explaining to the you know the population too too much about it what it means it was like full on they should have managed it differently they should have explained to people what it meant what it is but that's assuming that people. I mean, care, right? Like, whoever supports Levine and whoever supports the the sixty four mandates or the the coalition is gonna be like, okay, or they're either not gonna care, not gonna listen, or they're gonna care and they probably already heard it. And mm-hmm. Whoever doesn't support is gonna be against it. It's more like, the understanding wonder- that the other side will do everything in its power to take you down, and you don't want to give them ammunition. But what I mean, that's what I'm saying. They would have. What I'm one, I, I'm more referring internally. Meaning, do you think there's anything they could have done internally to, like, to, because ultimately inside the base. Yeah, ultimately, what happened, right, was that um, not the what's his name, no Gallant, Gallant, and and a few others. Uh, give me the names. <laughs> Gallant and friends. No Gallant. Okay, Gallant and and a couple of others kind of started uh, basically 
giving signs that they're not going to vote for the reform or that mm -hmm. they're possibly on the fence or that they're not going to. And then there was a question if there would even be enough power to actually pass it. And I think that was, yeah. right, the the main fear. Do you think there was anything they could have done to kind of maintain coalition discipline more? Um, the problem is, is not really the coalition. The problem is the fact that it was full on from the beginning. They should have, and, and also the fact that they entered the talks in the uh, President Herzog's, uh, you know, facility and the Labor Party Avoda decided they're gonna quit. And uh, and from there, it was just like, you know, So a, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Why didn't they down. just pass the, the, why didn't they just pass it? They didn't have the votes, right? They did, Or they were afraid that they might not have the votes. Yeah. So I, I'm wondering if they could have maybe just maybe at the end of the day the the, the demonstrations uh, worked. You know, people were threatening, not just threatening, but people were went on strike. I, I remind you, um, municipalities, cities, kind of telling the government, you know what, you're not really in control. You know what, we're gonna it's mainly the army and the air force were the right and the intelligence. Uh... It's not the army. It's people in the army. It's not the army in total. No. Yeah. No. But but that that's exactly what I'm saying. It's just crazy that we got that to, was like, also very that was also very uh, poorly managed. They should have instead of hugging the people who are saying we're not going to our reserves because we're not agreeing with what's happening in the government. Instead of hugging, they should have said, you know what don't don't interfere with don't bring your politics into the army and whoever mm -hmm. don't want to do reserves is more than welcome to leave the, the, the chief IDF. of the idf the chief of the idf didn't uh, wanted to hug them so what would you have done would you remove the chief of the idf what do you mean by him? didn't want to hug them that's exactly he what wanted he did. to he wanted to hug them mm -hmm. he like the chief of the idf no, the, the problem wasn't just him it was also uh, a minister gallant Minister Gallant yeah, wasn't. Say Gallant. It took him so many months to, you know, to yeah. to kind of, to kind of go out and openly say we're against. Right, but would you replace the chief of trend. the IDF over this? No, no, I don't think I would replace but that's him what over I'm this. That 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 there's a lack of leadership. Like I would have expected. Not only that, Gallant was also. I remind you, did a press threatened. conference. Yeah. Did a press conference while Bibi was in abroad. London, mm -hmm. was abroad, did a press conference and said. Uh, we need to take take care of it because we we're in a you know serious yeah. situation. He ba basically said he basically undermined uh, Netanyahu. Undermined Netanyahu and, and put an ultimatum. Yeah, like uh, don't pass the the law or uh, I quit. Which is giving into military rule. So I I don't understand like why Yariv Levin or um, or any of the other coalition partners said uh, that really Simcha Rotman or any of the other coalition partners that really stood behind this reform said. Okay, we're not passing this. I'm going home. Like maybe that is what I would expect. No, not maybe it will. You can always post because in because in politics, when people are going home, it's only when they're getting better offers in the other and that's parties. disgraceful. In that's my opinion. disgraceful. The more you backstabbing, the higher your price gone gone up in the in in the other parties. They they, they I, know they don't have any future within uh, Yair Lapid or Benny Gantz or whatever. Uh, so that's why I'm disappointed. I'm sure that they're getting offers, and maybe you'll see situations like that. You have a bit of a shaky memory of parliament like Gila Gamliel, David Bitan, people who are unsatisfied with their uh, situation within the Likud party. Um, so people like that are probably being targeted by parties like Yair Lapid, Yashatid, and, and Benny Gantz. 
That's why I'm what I'm saying, and I'm wondering if if you agree with this. Is that I'm most disappointed in people like Yariv Levine and Simcha Rotman, and I think that they should be held accountable for this failure. And I think that it it wasn't they. What I but meant by not, not over. Bold, it is over. It's not opinion. over until it's over. You know. I don't see anything happening. It's a uh, wait for September. Like maybe. September just maybe started. Maybe I'll be proven. <laughs> maybe I'll be proven. Today wrong. it was announced that the the chief attorney, the the state attorney, is going to who should have represented the government uh, in the Supreme Court in the discussion about the one and only law of the reform that was passed, the Reasonability uh, Act, she is going to oppose the government. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see it? No. Yeah. She, she said basically she's going to oppose the government and she's calling for the Supreme Court to o- overrule this law. It's, to it's strike un- it down. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't see it happening. I don't see. I mean, we. By the way, a part, so long, a part of the right wing not understanding that they're in rule is also the fact that they, they didn't fire. They didn't fire her. Yeah. We we fought so long and so hard for you know, like a ridiculous amount of time. Seven months since the the this government uh, uh, was sworn in, in order to pass like five percent. Most governments in israel don't last more than a year and a half two years two and a half years you're like that's average by the way that's our average is two and a half years you're lucky regardless of what you do that's like the average so so seven months is like a fourth of your time a fifth of your time Mm -hmm. so we don't have that much long you don't have you don't know it could drop tomorrow so yeah i feel like they 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 need to get ballsier (laughs) <laughs> then get but, uh, get Yariv Levine to her podcast and ask him all the hard yeah, questions. We should. I don't know what goes through his uh, mind or what he's planning, but uh, if I was a political we'll consultant, that would be my <laughs> that would just be my my advice. Do you everybody. think the government will, will last? Uh, it's a good question. They they have so much on their table at the moment. You know, it's not just the judicial reform. It's what's happening with the Bedouins. It's uh, the terror. Uh, attacks from the Palestinian Authority, Gaza, Hezbollah, like so many aspects of problems that it's going to be hard. So you're not optimistic? I'm not optimistic, no. How long do you give them? I don't know. I honestly don't like, know. Um, not not that changing the government will help with anything of uh, most of the problems that I just said, but uh, yeah. A year? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It depends on how much they will be able to get along with each other. I don't I don't see them getting past uh, the end of the year. Which year? The Jewish year? 2024. Or the, uh, 2024. 2024? Uh, 2020. Like, they don't get into 2024. Ah, okay. Yeah, I think it's... Like, they might make who, it who into 2024, longer, but there will be... The government or Biden? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Biden will get reelected. Unfortunately. What, what... Have you been watching the... I'm sure you've been watching a the bit, yeah, the debates. A bit, yeah. A bit. And is there any favorite on your on your end? Any favorite? I think the star is like uh, Vivak, no? Yeah. He, he was the Vivek star of the debate. Yeah, yeah I think so too. Right? Yeah, I think so too. But I don't think I don't think he has. I'm not optimistic about the, the people <laughs> I support. I'm not. I, I mean, Trump is now in the lead, right? So. Yeah, Trump will take it easily. Yeah, he'll take it easily. Which is ridiculous because he didn't even show up to the fight. That's a whole new level. Yeah. Why? Why d- he 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 doesn't need to. If unfortunately he, he doesn't need to unfortunately i mean don't you think it's a sad place for america when like 
I think America is in a sad place in so many different aspects uh. with what's going on on the streets of LA and San Francisco and New York. I was in New York a month ago and I was shocked to see how much the city was changed regarding homeless people, drug people, uh, looting in LA. Like I scroll through my Instagram and see a lot of those. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. That's people, uh, two very big restaurants, which I can't remember the name, but of one of the biggest uh, um like a uh, restaurant uh, mogul in in New York he had to close them permanently because they were in this hotel and New York is now putting all the illegal immigrants in hotels did you hear, hear about it it was uh it was happening during the covid during covid it uh, started no it started New York uh hotels were facilitating uh yeah. homeless people they because they weren't a, uh, they weren't allowed to be outside basically right. they passed the law and now this law is still abides basically and now they're putting them in uh in hotels so one of the hotels had a high like had a high-end restaurant in it and like people like rich people would eat and uh, around them like uh, immigrants and stuff like that and so they had to shut it down which leads us to the last topic topic maybe that we need to talk about we just had huge riots yesterday in uh, tel aviv by eritrean war yeah mini war mini civil war yeah uh of eritrean illegal uh aliens um here in tel aviv so this is one of the biggest problems you live nearby i live here you live nearby also Mm -hmm. Uh, and you lived in Hatikva before it was uh, in the Hatikva neighborhood, right? Before it was uh, what it what is, is today. now. Yeah. yeah, but now we live across the eye alone. We don't, <laughs> we don't know the problems you're going through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what do you think about what, what happened yesterday? Um, they again, clashed. I, I think everything uh, was being said, you know, the, the neglecting the situation for over 15 years. And that was just expected, you know, everyone saw it coming. You saw uh, crime um, in south of Tel Aviv for so many years from the uh, illegal immigrants and the Israeli government failed to, you know, to deal with the situation thanks to mainly the Supreme Court who over four times just uh, declined rules trying to deal with the uh, illegal immigration from uh, Eritrea. Um, and now we see it, now it's just exploding in our faces. We have like, I don't know, we've, including children, I guess like 50,000, um, like 70% Eritreans and maybe 30% Sudanese or something of sorts. Uh, what would you do with them? I think Israel should have deported them a long time ago. Including women, children. It started starting with just single men who are not asylum seekers go on a plane and go back to your country. Um, luckily, because Israel is expensive, they're doing it by themselves. Like uh, in the past year, almost 2,000 uh, Eritreans moved to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of just freely moving, uh, freewheeling moving uh but israel should have uh yeah. but it's not an uncommon sight here in south tel aviv to see uh a eritrean woman uh, one kid uh, is walking next to they her have, uh, three one kids is by now. on her yeah. her back one is in the belly and one is in the they know that yeah. that's their ticket to stay in israel so uh, most of them has families and now it's like there's nothing much you can do but you can minimize the, the problem by no just, you can uh, deport Deport, just deport the single, uh, the single people. It's just another demo, like the Bedouins is a huge demographic risk that we're dealing with. 
Uh, right now it's not at proportions where it's but they're growing at such a rate that it's just and they have weapons yeah and we need to keep that in mind and it's just throwing in another thing into the mix like in another 40 yeah. years fifty thousand becomes five hundred thousand yeah yeah but That's i think what's crazy. important to emphasize to uh, our listeners is the fact that the war that went in south of tel aviv on shabbat was basically between two groups of Eritreans. one group is uh, against the regime in Eritrea, and the other one is pro the Eritrean regime. So if a huge group, group is supporting the regime, how can they be asylum seekers? No, Just go also, back to Eritrea, you know? The left yeah. wings, wingers for so many years yeah, yeah. gave That's us, the, you know, the, 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 the bullshit of their asylum seekers. Yeah, yeah. When it was the point. refugees, the refugees, yeah. the refugees, which is just you know. But that's but but it's a good point, but it's also a bad point because uh, none of them are refugees. If you start differentiating, some of the Sudanese were maybe, but but uh, let's focus on Eritrea. Maybe maybe ten percent, maybe ten percent. So if you start differentiating, you know, it's a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. So it means that the anti-regime are are uh, are refugees. No, they're not refugees. Yeah. So one big lie, but uh, but we have but we ha- but Israel has uh, diplomatic relations with Eritrea, yeah. and today in Haaretz they wrote like uh, uh, I, I read that uh, that allegedly we have like uh, security interests in Eritrea. Yeah, we do. So uh, so we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> Eloquently put. put. <laughs> Eloquently put. <laughs> Very nice. Dove, as uh, anything uh, optimistic you can share with us? Anything optimistic? Yeah. We Good have news. An, we have an amazing country. Not everything here is fucked up. We just like to argue a lot because we're Jewish. Um, so all of you guys abroad, don't be intimidated. Uh, this country is amazing. Right? Right? Uh, yeah. It's funny because I'm, par- <laughs> I'm part of this Facebook group called... Uh, it's called GTF... O I get the, the fuck out of Israel. <laughs> oh and my god. Yeah, yeah. So I'm part of this Facebook group <laughs> and it's just it's like basically it's quite a few people. I think it's like a couple thousand, maybe 10,000. No, maybe not 10,000, but it's a couple thousand. Of foreigners, mostly yeah, foreigners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All all people it's who It's like a secret Tel Aviv kind of group. It's secret Tel Aviv but like anti Tel Aviv. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> so it's people who want to move out. So and bad. I was added cuz actually someone I knew founded the group. It's Israelis who <clears throat> want Jews, Israelis who no, want No, no, no. It's, no, foreigners. It's Anglos, okay? Yes. Mostly Anglos but Olim, Olim Khadashi. Who live here? Who ha- lived here? Who live here or have lived here? Okay. Okay. So there's like the community of people who already got the fuck out, and yeah. people okay. who who are trying to get the fuck out, and complaining about and different help, stuff. And they're no, they're helping also with like technical matters, but yeah. like a good a good portion of the posts are like against bad Israelis. Yeah, yeah. How the fuck would? Why would anybody move here? Oh my god, I can't believe I moved here. Oh my god, it's the worst place in the world. Oh, and boy, it's boy. quite amazing to read through it and. The truth is, I hate it here, but I would never move. <laughs> 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 that was my point. Is that I read through the I read through these posts and I'm like, yeah, I concur. Yeah, fuck this place, yeah. but I'll never move. So I, I'll, like, tell, I'll tell you like that. Being I think we have a long way to go, you know, to be better 
a better country in so many different aspects. Yeah, prosciutto prices. <laughs> <laughs> but someone who is moving to Israel without a sense of belonging, without a sense of understanding that this is our Jewish homeland, that our grandmother, uh, grandparents were just dreaming to have a Jewish state, would never survive the heat of Israel. Yeah. Um, and what keeps us sane throughout everything that we're going through is that sense of belonging, is that sense of, you know, we have the right to be here, we have the right to fight, and we're trying to make Israel better, you know, we're trying to make Israel better. I remember I was uh, giving a lecture in UCLA a few years ago and um, in, in high school, this girl came up to me after the lecture and she said, you know, you were talking about the Gulf War and the rockets from Iraq and the Lebanon War and Second Intifada and how you were a combat soldier and this and that. And I have to ask you, with everything you've been through, how come you're so normal, you know? And, she, and I looked at her and I asked myself, we had a pre pretty crazy life in his, you know, growing up in Israel, not just the army, a long before the army, crazy life. And... The conclusion I got is that we're sane and normal because we know we're fighting for our independence and we know we're fighting for our right to live safely in our homeland. And someone who is moving to Israel without having that sense of notion would just n not survive. Amen. One last thing I have to ask you about. Yeah. Uh, not about uh, being uh, single in Tel Aviv, all the articles uh, <laughs> that you did about that, no. <laughs> um, but about uh, the fact that you're half Indian Jew. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't think many people abroad know that uh, this uh, niche. You have Indian Jew. This yeah. category that exists. Is, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is true. That is true. A lot of people don't, uh, don't so know. So what's the story there? Um, um, ha I'm half Indian, basically. My mom made Aliyah from India. You had a huge population, not huge, but a fairly big population of Indian Jews. 50% of them roughly are uh, originally from Iraq, Baghdadian Jews who moved to India. Uh, most of them lived around the area of Mumbai. It's, they called Bnei Israel. Some are living, uh, were living down south in Kuchin. Um, and most of them made Aliyah from the... And the other 50% who didn't come from Iraq? Um, are just so many hundreds of years. In uh, India. In India, yeah. Hundreds of years. From the Megillat Rut, Mihodu right. Kush. Uh, you, had in, you have Jews being spread out throughout the world. Um, India is just something more exotic and unique. So the imagination, like the for people in Israel to imagine uh, 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 someone with a sari who is actually Jewish going to a synagogue, like hundreds of years synagogue in Mumbai, it's something that's ungrasped. But it was a very, it's a very unique uh, uh, community. Uh, most of them were um, preserving, preserving the Shabbat. Um, I've read really interesting uh, articles about people who are researching the Holocaust and they've discovered that India was basically the only country in the world where Jews weren't persecuted because when you live as a Jewish person in a country where you have, uh, they believe in many gods, then your God is not undermining their gods. And my mom always told me how they could have celebrated Hanukkah, their neighbors were celebrate Diwali, and it no, never, never, they, she never felt afraid, you know. To, and she speaks Hindu? She speaks Hindi. Uh, she speaks Hindi, a very good English. That's how I got my English because of my grandparents. I used to speak to them English. You know, they, they also had a British mandate since yeah. uh, 1947. And um, and uh, yeah, they have unique, uh, and did you unique visit? traditions. 
Yeah, I visited India like seven years ago. I was there for two weeks. I fell in love with the country, like many Israelis who are not Indians. But uh, I think it's something every person should uh, should experience. Very magical. I did Rosh Hashanah in the ancient uh, synagogue in uh, Kuchin. Was a spiritual experience, and uh, wow. I wow. highly recommend it. Good curry. <laughs> it's the best food. Come on, Indian food <laughs> is the best food. Yeah. yeah, the best. True. Whenever I'm abroad, no matter where I am in London, whatever, always seeking for Indian, Indian restaurants. It's like all Southeast Asia has it going. Yeah, on. you have food with flavor. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> so good. My other half is like Polish and Iraqi, so oh. I have a you know. <laughs> it's not even a competition. <laughs> yeah, nothing, it's not beats, even a... nothing beats the Polish. Uh, <laughs> no, Iraqi is great. Iraqi is great. Yeah, I think it's just like great that's pickles. The, yeah, the closer yeah, you get cool to the bit. east. That's... Yeah. 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 Thank all God right. we live in Israel, you know? All the yeah. people who complain, we have the best food in the world. Wow. The true, best food. True, that's true. All the combinations of people coming here. You need to take here. mortgage to eat it, but it's so good. <laughs> you can yeah. always eat in, uh, in the shuk or sabich or falafel. And, true, true, yeah. true. Okay, Lital Shemesh, thank you so much. Uh, you, thank do, you. You, you do lectures in English, right? People can reach yeah. out, communities. all over the world. I'm coming to Australia soon, oh. so just so you know, for two weeks. Gonna do be you have Sydney. dates? Uh, in September, I don't know where the, uh, during the Chagim, Rosh Hashanah, okay. Yom Kippur, during those two weeks, I'm going to be in, uh, in a speaking tour in Australia. Okay. So if you have a link, uh, send me now and we'll share Not it. And, uh, and you're on social media, Lital Shemesh. Uh, anything else we need to plug? Thank That's you so now. much. That was a pleasure. Thank you for having Thank me. You. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for coming. And again, our deepest uh, condolences Thank to you. the family. Stay strong. And uh, yeah. Until Amis next time. Amen. Amen. Bye, guys. Bye.